Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Excuse me, Veronica. Yes, what is it, Brick? I would like to extend to you an invitation to the pants party. Excuse me? The party, the pants with the pants. Party with pants. Hello and welcome to the Pants Party. My name is Max Brecky, as always. Along with me today, Harrison Starr, who is going by not just fruit tonight. That is his, um, he just wants you guys to know he's not a piece of fruit. Harrison, much, how are you guys doing? I, I'm much more than that, Max. Uh, I just want you to know that and everyone out there listening. Uh, very <laughs> inside <laughs> joke, I think. Uh, whoa, unless whoa, you're uh, a millennial female. Yeah, unless you uh, actually really enjoy The Bachelor, you won't understand that quote. Uh, we're recording after we watch The Bachelor, so um, pardon us, because we are brain dead from having many, many stupid 23 to 25-year-old girls say things on our televisions. Anyways, uh, with that said, um, well, today's the 7th. By the time that we get this out, it'll probably be about the 9th, 10th, so... Um, Iowa played a football game a week and a half ago now against Mississippi State. We're not going to talk about this very much. Um, they they won. How do you? I mean, a great game. I think the defense played phenomenally. The offense did what it needed to do at the right times, and you know, credit to Brian Ferentz for that and Nate Stanley because the running game was not there with that tenacious Mississippi State defensive line. But um, yeah, I, th- I mean, I'm I'm fine with the game. You know, I'm fine with the game, and I think that a lot of people, based on that game by itself, you know, kind of, they're we're all in a good place. Not all. We're mostly in a good place, I think, with Iowa football at the moment. Yeah, definitely at the moment, Max. I think, um, considering the way the season played out, it, it was definitely a, a surprise to me to see how Iowa put that game together. Um, it really did kind of come down to, you know, just capitalizing on um, the the field position that Mississippi State and Iowa's defense gave them, because you really kind of look at it and eleven first downs, two hundred yards, two hundred twenty yards passing from Nate Stanley. Um, you know, maybe the the passing numbers from Stanley are certainly winning numbers. That hey, if he's putting this together twenty or thirty something around that, Iowa's going to have a good chance. Um, but it was, you know, uh, it was a good credit to, I think, um, you know, finding the way to win. I don't know if it was necessarily scratching where it was itching, but they certainly didn't stick to a run game. I thought that was um, really a huge deal in how I was able to win. Because if they just try and run it, I don't think we we see a lot of success. And I, I think it's probably the type of game that turns out something like the the Florida game a couple years ago, but it didn't. Uh, and I'm certainly excited about how the season ended. We'll get to it a little more later, but seeing kind of the how this is 
uh, taking shape postseason. It feels like there's still more that was left on the table, but ultimately you can only win your bowl game, and Iowa did that at that point. Yeah, I mean, I think I mean I, I kind of alluded to it already, and you just kind of said it right now. Brian Ferentz deserves a lot of credit for the way that this game went. You know, like I'm very, I, I'm not pro Brian. I'm not, you know, I'm not really anti Brian. I probably lean more anti Brian than I do pro. I think you do as well. But um, he had a, you know, he called a pretty good game. You know, he the first drive Iowa went absolutely nowhere. The second drive Iowa went absolutely nowhere. And after that, you know, he kind of figured out that Nate Stanley wasn't going to have time to throw the ball. Nate Stanley, you know, like they needed to run play action because Mississippi State knows that Iowa is committed to the run the way that they are. And, you know, like he, he deserves a lot of credit for, you know, kind of piecing together, you know, just enough for Iowa to put points on the board. That uh, 75-yard touchdown to Nick Easley, that was a great call. And, you know, just based off those first few drives of the game, you know, Iowa, you you, I mean, then just, you know, knowing Iowa in general. You know Iowa's going to run the ball the way that they're going to run the ball. And that cornerback just completely bit on the play action. And, you know, that was, you know, I think that was, you know, the turning point probably in the game is obviously Iowa scoring a touchdown. But it kind of opened things up and Mississippi State was like, ah, well, I guess, uh, I guess this is what we have to defend against now. Yeah, because you're certainly right, and I think the the Iowa possession before that, I'm just kind of going through the drive chart here, and I'm like, oh, 10 plays, 49 yards. I totally totally forgot about you know that kind of successful drive, and then <laughs> you realize that 30 of those yards were 15 um, uh, yard penalties. Yeah. But but the thing about it is is it was a key time when Iowa had not really had the ball much. Um, they were able to take some clock, capitalize on the mistakes, which really was just kind of the theme of that game. Um, Mark Morehouse, I think, summed it up perfectly. You know, what's a team that talks trash at a hospital lack? Discipline. I mean, that carried through um, really the, the, the whole game. And really, I think that kind of set the tone. I was able to get on the board. Yeah, there wasn't a ton of success that drive, but they were able to get points and at the end of the day, that's really all that matters, right? All that matters is the points you put on the board. There are no style points. To a tag of Alola, he's having a seemingly great game, but they're not putting points on. So, you know, I, I was able to, to piece enough together, and really they had two stretches, which I think were kind of defining, um, between that field goal to getting a quick stop, the quick touchdown, forcing a fumble, another quick touchdown, and all of a sudden, you know, you're up 11 points when Mississippi State probably should have been up, you know, more than the six points that they were up initially. So, classic bend don't break, um, and really, I think it's a total team win, and I, I do think that Brian Ferentz, we were talking about it in our Slack a little bit, I'm a little more pro Brian Ferentz after that game. Just a little yeah. bit more, um, and it but it's going to be tough. Like it's just it's just going to be tough next year, I think. Yeah, things definitely aren't going to get easier for Iowa next year. We'll talk about that in a minute, but you know what? I am leaning slightly more pro pro Brian Ferentz than I was. Right now I'm probably more firmly on the fence than I ever have been with him. 
you know, because I was, I've been on the fence for sure, but, you know, I've been kind of leaning towards the, towards the anti-Brian side of things just because I'm more of a pessimist than probably most people. But, you know, I am probably more firmly on the fence now. Um, you know, that game did earn him a little bit. But I think the other thing that, you know, we've lacked with him is consistency. And so it'll be interesting to see just because he put up 60-something points against Illinois. 63? Yeah, 63. He put up 63 against Illinois, put up some points against Nebraska. Um, and, you know, those were against putrid defenses. This was against the number one scoring defense in the country. You know, like, and I think that that's huge that he was able to kind of figure out how to attack, a, you know, the, one of the top defenses in the entire country, you know, just enough to get things going for the Iowa offense, which I think is important moving forward. And, you know, maybe that kind of shows a sign that he's turning a corner and maybe we'll see a little bit more consistency out of him in the Iowa offense moving forward. Obviously, time will tell. We won't get to see Iowa play again until September. But yeah, There is in August. But, yeah, I mean, the, the, the thing that... um that I take most from it from Brian is the red zone, maybe not play calling, but just the ability to get the ball into the end zone. Um, you know, they had the, the two short fields and initially with that touchdown, um, Iowa was down 17, 14 or excuse me, 17, 19. And I was incredibly, uh, surprised that Iowa decided to go for it on fourth down and it turned out to be to me kind as of a, a Stanley call. keeper right yeah I mean it was uh he ended up keeping it. play call that I, I liked I thought it was something that might have caught him off guard but mm-hmm. it also allowed Stanley to scramble in the only way that scrambly <laughs> Stanley can just like just a, a giant deer it's just like stumbling <laughs> over himself a little bit but he got the job done and really, that that was just the key to the Iowa offense was just get the job done. They had two red zone scoring opportunities, both of them touchdowns. They were able to piece together some uh, a, or a couple field goal drives, and it's it just it's hard to be mad after a bowl win. Like no, it's, that, yeah. to me, that's really kind of what it comes down to, right? Yeah, no, completely. You know. Uh... More, I mean, I predicted Iowa to win eight regular season games this year. I didn't make a prediction based off the bowl game. I said at the beginning of the year they would win eight games just because Iowa always wins eight games. That was me being kind of an asshole in general. <laughs> yeah. If I'm being completely honest, I was just kind of trying to be an asshole about it. But I did, you know, come into the season with modest expectations. Um, so, you know, what? I'm the way that they lost games this year was infuriating. But, you know, coming out of it 9-4, and four, that's you know what, I'm not completely upset about it. Um, But moving forward, things are going to be much tougher, and I'm not really sure where I I was going to stand going into next season. So far, so we're recording on the night of January 7th, Monday night. Um, Noah Fant declared months ago, it feels like. It feels like he declared like 15 years ago. It really uh, does, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It feels like he's put up George Kittle's numbers in the NFL at this yeah, point. Yeah, right. He's he's retired from the NFL already <laughs> at this point. But Noah Fant declared uh, at, right after the Nebraska game. Amani Hooker declared just, uh, just a few days ago. And this afternoon, and a bit of a surprise, 
not really a shocker, like, but you know, it's mildly surprising. Anthony Nelson declared for the NFL draft, so you know, that's and we still have TJ Hawkinson. By the time that you guys hear this on Wednesday or Thursday or whenever you hear this, maybe he's declared, maybe he's chosen to uh, stay. Uh, for all practical purposes right now, I think we're just going to kind of assume he's leaving. I don't think anybody really expects him back at this point. Um, yeah, it's it's kind of weird because, to me, Anthony Nelson was the guy that I was most coin-flippy about. It felt like he had certainly the most to gain by staying. Um, I looked at Mel Kuyper's draft board a little earlier today, and it's still a little old, but... Um, it has Nelson as the number 10 defensive end, which is like, I guess is a good perspective, but a lot of these guys are slated to go in the first round. So I can see him. To me, it's going to be hard for any Iowa player to be overdrafted. I just, I just don't think that's really the nature of guys that come out of the Iowa program is to get overdrafted. Um, but He'll I think have maybe a good Sheriff is the only guy who might have been overdrafted, and that's just because he projected as a guard. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and the the Washington was a little kind of on the f- front end of that way of thinking, right? In terms of hey, we want an offensive lineman right. to be where they can be best, so let's just get him there. And saw Indianapolis with Nelson uh, mm-hmm. as a guard for uh, out of Notre Dame, but. Um, you know, it seemed like he had the most to gain. Like if he could play a full season opposite, opposite another, you know, bona fide pass rusher, that they could just wreak havoc and have something like twenty-five sacks between the two of them. Yeah. Uh, which seems like an exaggeration, except it's it not. They had, kinda that, isn't, they had twenty right? this season. <laughs> so they had twenty. So um, uh, it felt like he had the most to gain by staying, but. I will never fault someone for going, especially when you look at kind of the Iowa paradigm. And for better or for worse, Iowa isn't in the business of winning championships. Yes, that's the goal of this program at the the beginning of the season and throughout the season. But um, at the end of the day, Barron's is very individually oriented in his goals in terms of, you know, making each player that goes through his program the best that they can be. Uh, just pump brought to you by the army, I guess. Uh, but but uh, I feel like each Hawkeye, if they have something when the iron's hot, uh, to certainly go. Um, and, and it seems like that's the case for all four of them. Um, but we'll see on ha- Hawkinson, and we could look yeah. like an idiot uh, and have him <laughs> well, declare. Yeah, <laughs> but, he's uh, gonna he's gonna decide to stay, and we're gonna have a whole <laughs> podcast devoted to him leaving. No, exactly. But the the longer it kind of goes on, the the more it makes me think, uh, maybe he could stay. Yeah, I mean, maybe he still has a week, um, by a week to like a week, maybe a half a week. But he's it's he has until the fourteenth if he hasn't done it yet. By the time that Wednesday rolls around, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, Nelson, I think is the only one of these guys that had anything to gain from coming back, and even then, I don't think he had a whole lot to gain. He finishes his career with 23 sacks in three seasons, which, you know, he's coming off a 10-sack season. Nine and a half, actually, but 10. Um, you know, I don't think he really has a whole lot to, you know, gain. I think he's going out on a high note. 
Yep. And, you know, he's he was honestly Iowa's best defensive lineman this season, I think. I know that, you know, people drool over A.J. Epinesa and his pass rushing abilities, and Parker has these probably, you know, the best run stopper out of the whole line and has the best instincts out of anybody. But I think Nelson turned out to be the best in run and pass, uh, you know, run defense, pass uh, rush. Yeah, That's man, I'm I'm always gonna take, but. I'm always gonna stand for Parker Hesse. Like I, I don't know why. I just I loved watching him play. He he almost seemed like a linebacker at times, just yeah. the way he was able to to set the edge and he could drop know. back a little bit. He did. I think he had an interception dropping back once. Yeah, and uh, but yeah, I mean Anthony Nelson. Looking at it now, tied for sixth on the uh, all-time sack leaders charts um, with, you know, I mean... Who's behind, or who's in front of him? Well, Jared DeVries has pretty much an unbreakable record at 43. Yeah. Uh, and then a couple in the 30s, Mike Wells, Matt Roth. Uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. So he probably gets to second with a really good senior year, but like I, I was just kind of going through the Rolodex like, well, you know... There aren't really many injuries on defensive end, but it's like it happens all the time. It happened to Nick Bosa. It happened to Drew Ott in 2015, and that that changed a lot of people's, you know, 2016. I mean, he could have been back, or he could have been in the NFL. So um, you got to go. It just the risk of injury is not worth it when you're uh, not drawing an NFL salary. Yeah. No, I mean I agree, but so with all these departures. Um, I was, it's going to be a lot of unknowns next year. The entire defensive line is gone from a starter standpoint. Obviously we still have Epinesa, we have Golston, um, I'm blanking on... Uh, Lattimore and Lattimore Reif. Lattimore yeah, Reef, yeah. But, um, so, I mean, we still have the entire second unit coming back next year, which is fine, it's good. All I think at least Golston and, uh... Lattimore and Epinesa are probably starter caliber, in my opinion. Maybe, maybe not so much Reef. Uh, I could go. You could tip me either way in that direction. Maybe mm-hmm. you know, with a good off season this year, you could get there. But you know, the defensive line, which was the strong point and probably the reason that the secondary was so good this year, um, they'll be gone. And you know, your star safety star position. Whatever. I don't even know what you. Whatever you want to call what Amani Hooker is. Yeah, you know, he'll I, be I mean, gone he's too. a defensive back, right? I mean, it, yeah. it's. Yeah. Your linebacker safety star hybrid. Colon. <laughs> Colon. Yeah, you're. I mean, they're missing out on a ton from, from next yeah. year. And even you look at, like, it, it's. Well, I guess I thought that they had more. Because I guess Golston just had the one interception along the line. But, yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. you're losing out on Gervais, uh, Gervas, Gervais. You're, what you're losing him, right? Like, mm. to me, I think they're – but the pieces are all kind of there. Um, and I think we're all going to give Phil Parker the benefit of the doubt. Of for, course. Uh, defensive backs. It was a little, you know, wonky with uh, Riley Moss there a little bit. but And even um, then, he was serviceable. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it it was not like the <laughs> the um, Adam shaded treatment. Uh, <laughs> it's not, yeah. But uh, uh, he's not Tanner Miller. No, but he seems like the kind of guy that can immediately slide 
alongside Geno Stone and play a, another three totally solid years at safety. Like yeah. I mean, that's just kind of seems like his trajectory, unless you know Cradith comes out or DJ Johnson. Ojemudie has been around for a while. He could have maybe a Josh Jackson like quote unquote senior year. Um, I, I think that they're gonna move uh, OJ to safety this next year. The the hooker position. No, it's safety, safety. Mm. I think he'll replace uh, Javas. And you think that uh, DJ Johnson's going to be the, the hooker? That's just I, what they need to call it. They just need to call it the hook, <laughs> the, right? The I hook. mean, That's the position name. It's the hook. We've, we've coined this. Nobody's going to hear it because, you know, like 20 people listen to this podcast. But, but we just did it, though, Max. We just did it. We've named this uh, Please Credit uh, the Pants Party. Um, thank you very much. But... Um, <laughs> Yeah, but I think I think it'll be DJ Johnson or maybe Cradieth. Uh I think Dark Horse though, uh Colbert. Yeah, I think he I think he's a, a true linebacker now. Like, you think, I mean you think so? Yeah, and he, I read somewhere where they almost envisioned sliding him inside. Mm, yeah, a- okay. and Hockaday bench. Yeah, no, Hockaday gone. Uh, oh, that's right. And really, but the thing about it was, was Iowa never really needed a true playmaker at linebacker this year. They just needed someone who... Who could step in, yeah. Step in, play their role. Um, that was kind of the drum I was beating the whole season with the line that they had and the secondary they had m- most times. Um, but I just think that, you know, it, they might need a little more playmaking out of their linebackers this year. Um, oh, one hundred percent. With this, you know, more inexperienced "quote unquote" line. Yeah, just be it, just because there's more uncertainty, and you know, when you load these guys up, uh, that that was part of the reason that twenty ten happened the way it did. Um, I know it got started early, right, with uh, the twenty ten game, but it, they just didn't have the energy in game and game to game like. They clearly did this year, so um, yeah. they they definitely need those eight guys. Yeah, um, yeah, I definitely think that the linebacker is going to need to be a lot more. It wasn't it was solid last year, but I think that it's going to be need to be more than solid this year. But yeah, I could see Colbert being middle and uh, Nick Neiman. Outside. Nick Neiman, I, I I'm also kind of excited for Jacobs. The, the freshman Ooh. that'll be coming in, Ooh. he's he'll have a whole spring of learning the playbook and yeah, he's, uh, an early doyalizing early, right? a little bit. Yeah, so uh, that's someone I'm I'm maybe a little more excited about than than uh, most people, but with reason. So, like I mean, he, he kept him away from Ohio State. Yeah, so Colbert's gonna be a sophomore, redshirt sophomore. Yeah, he'll just be a sophomore. Okay. Um, Neiman will be a junior. He. I think he was a sophomore this year. Yeah. Yeah, he'll be a junior. Because Amani Jones was a junior and Hockaday was a senior. Yep. Yep. All right. Okay. I was now now making sure I had all this right. All right. Yeah. So I mean, oh, and I mean Christian Welch's. What what was he? Is he gone? I don't. I'm not even really sure. Yeah. Where is he? I guess he gone. He's not a part of the, the... Oh, there he is. Okay, hey, Christian. Sorry. <laughs> no, he's, know, he's... he'll be a senior. He'll be a senior. He'll okay, keep man, I was going to have linebacker depth this year. You know what I kind of think is 
uh, an outside the box idea. I think they should think about four linebackers. Are we doing three four? No, no, no. They'll never do that. No. What I what I think they could do to build depth. Let's just see how insane this is. All right, let's do it. Ah, they're gonna run an Iowa State three three five. I like it. Amani Jones as a defensive end backup, something crazy like that. I'm just saying, like the guy wants to be a Hawkeye. Yeah. We think he 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 uh, could have left. He could have checked out. Yeah, I think he's. He I think he did. stepped. Yeah, I think he stepped into a um, special teams role very, very seamlessly, and I don't think that you know, like I think he obviously he wanted to start at linebacker, but you know, like you could see, like he was really into it when he was on special teams. Like he hit some dudes hard after he lost that starting job week one. Yep, and, and like he was fired up. I mean, you know, like it seems like he wants to be around, and maybe that's just him loving playing football, but. I, I read it more as, you know, like, he's still, like, you know, he's still into it. He's still involved, and he's still kind of happy with, you know, his that he has a role. When he was, he was a Gatorade guy. He he got yeah. Kirk. So, I yeah. mean, like, he, I don't know. It just, it would seem like a waste if he just kind of had that one chance and blew it, and you can't find a spot for him. Um, but, oh, yeah. you know, that's just how it goes. There are only 22 spots, more, more or less. Yeah, I'm really interested to see what happens next year with the defensive line, though, because obviously we we kind of have an idea of who's going to start. Um, but you know, they've obviously they want to run eight deep up front. You know, maybe at least six deep, six seven deep, and you know, maybe what Wagner? Yeah, Wagner's going to be a guy that they're immediately looking for. Um, I can't think of who. It, I uh, think it's Nixon, gonna be... I've I've heard some things about Nixon, and I it's all just you know rumors through reading comments, because I'm an asshole and I read comments too much. But he people somebody said in like our comment section earlier that he might never play for Iowa. They th- thought they heard like that's a wild thing to think. I don't know. Maybe there's something to it, but like he's somebody that could start for Iowa next year if you know he can play. Yeah, he's the type of person that I always thought might have kind of a Josh Jackson type of career at Iowa if he's able to. I I think if he's able to see the field, he will be just... I think he can be awesome for a single year, and then he'll be on his way. Like, that's just kind of how I envision his impact. Yeah. Um, and really, I guess the the things that they're alluding to are off the field, again. obviously, because he's not on the field. But um, <laughs> he's had to work through a lot, and I thought that he might be someone that, if he's able to get through his fall semester at Iowa, he could potentially have dressed for the bowl game, and he didn't. So um, we'll see. I, I, but I was going to kind of be counting on him. But there's no offense. I think is another defensive tackle. It actually really hurts. Is he to lose. defensive line? Yeah. Er, okay. Thought he was offensive line. Oh wait, am I thinking yeah, of the wrong a... Noah? Um, there are so many Noahs. Noah Shannon. You're right. That's it. Yeah. I was like, whoa. whoa <laughs> no, no, no. Fenske, Fenske is he? He's a he was a recruit. Yeah, um, he's, he just signed. And. All right. Okay. Okay. And Linderbaum may be in our transition to offense, losing Linderbaum from defensive line gaining him on the offensive line, I think could be a huge thing for Iowa next year. Yeah. 
I agree. But so we've talked about the defense plenty. The offense, I think it's going to look largely the same. Um, there's going to be a couple of departures on the offensive line. And tight ends. That's really it. Yeah. Uh, uh, and easily. Uh, yeah, minor detail. Yeah, I was going through some some things, and the thing that really concerns me about the offense, not only do I think they play better defenses for a lot of next year, um, the home-away split isn't quite as... Um, as convenient as it was yeah. this year, um, you know. I think you, you, you. But what it's looking like is Iowa could lose their top three receivers between easily Hawkinson and Fance, mm-hmm. and easily by a quick perusal, he was um, the first guy since McNutt to have fifty catches in back-to-back seasons. So I think we're really overlooking kind of the impact that he had as a the quote unquote safety blanket for yeah, this he, offense. Like he felt I, invisible I just, this year, didn't he? He felt invisible until he didn't though. Like he, he <laughs> No, you know, he always did to me. Maybe that's just me, you know, not hearing his name as much, but I guess he did just have like two huge games between the Northern Iowa game and the Mississippi State game where he had I think eight receptions in both, which Yeah. You know, if you play that out that 16 and when they needed him he was he came up exactly exactly so you you do miss that um but i think maybe you get a little more of that with smith um and smith yeah and smith marset can sean buyer you know come back from from the injury can we see drew cook do something that every uh middle-aged iowa hawkeye fan wants to see i want to see it too though I know, I know. My, I I want to see Drew Cook have just one great year. I think it would be so cool. Even just one productive year. Yeah. Like even but, if he just like were a rotation player, he had like twenty catches. That would be awesome. Yeah, that that's something that Iowa I think will need out of their tight ends um, going forward under Brian Ferentz. Like. I was just kind of I was looking through all these stats, um, and that was really kind of the thing that stuck out to me is uh, Fant. He's he's a specialist, <laughs> right? I mean, but you kind of look at it, and he had thirty nine catches in twelve games. He was injured for a good part of it, or for a little stretch. And yeah, he wasn't 100% for a couple of games at least, yeah. And the 39 catches he had, that was an increase over last year. He still led the team in touchdowns. He had more receptions and yards as Iowa's quote-unquote second tight end and really all of the kind of recent period of Iowa football since Greg Davis. and Hello, dog. I know, Franny is feeling it. And really, all of Iowa's time under Ferentz. Like, Iowa hasn't used two tight ends like they have with with Brian. So, um, I think Iowa's going to need two tight ends next year. Yeah, I think that 
they need at least one person to break out. Like, I think that if they have, like, one person who, you know, has, like, a 40 catcher, maybe, something something like that. It doesn't even need to be 40, but, you know, one person who has a really productive year out of that spot. And then one person who's just, like, you know, like, maybe 20 catches, maybe, like, a couple touchdowns. But, you know, somebody who's there and can, you know, pick up the first down when needed, you know, anything like that. You know, like, they come up clutch when they come in. Because yeah, I think that going from two great tight ends to elite, you know, college tight ends to none, to no tight ends at all, that would like, I I don't I would pick Iowa to win like five games. Yeah, and that's that's really kind of my concern is you know Stanley can be great, but if just kind of that there's not much skill possession wise, if the running backs still are totally fine, I thought. Iowa running backs were totally fine. Uh, I think part of it was just maybe the run game wasn't quite as good as it needed to be. Um, but, like, I, I, you know, just kind of going through the game log, and they averaged four yards per carry more than I realized game to game. Um, one, let's see. Seven out of the 13 games, 3.6 against Penn State, 3.2 against Purdue. But it's just like I, I think they need to be have a couple more games over five if they want to have a 2009-type season versus, I don't know, 2014 season. Like, I can see 2014 happening really easily. Yeah, that's kind of – I was going to ask you, you know, kind of where do you see Iowa next season? Um, and yeah, I think that I can really see like a 2014, even like a 2013 kind of happening. Yeah. To me, I think the worst case is a 2014 style season and just the, the schedule isn't as good as it, it just doesn't really set up that well. Like I, I don't, I just hate the idea of playing a conference game, the second game of the season. It's gonna be oh, Iowa yeah, State's gonna next be year. yeah Iowa State's gonna be tough on the road, um, getting Purdue at home, Minnesota at home, Michigan, Ohio. All right, let's let's Wisconsin. go through this. Let's go through okay. this real quick. Do you have it? Do you have it up? Yeah, I pulled I pulled it up. All right, Northern Iowa, win or loss? Ah, right, that's a win. All right, Iowa State, Kinnick Stadium. Are you? You have twenty nineteen mm-hmm. up? Does it not have twenty twenty? My bad. Okay. Why? Oh, there it is, 2019. Okay, Miami Red Hawks. I was looking at that. I was like, I swore they played Miami next year. They do, Max. They do. Yeah, they, uh, they don't play. Okay, great. Now, um, now we're on the same. Page, oh, I see we? why. I see why that happened. You probably I looked open... at the exact same one as I did. I pulled Google up FBS schedules. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, was weird. Yeah. All right, we are literally on the same page now. <laughs> Perfect. All right, Miami Red Hawks, Kinnick Stadium. I mean, they should win. Yeah. Oh, but Rainy Mini Rugumba revenge game. <laughs> Three pick sixes. Oh, Iowa boy. loses. Iowa right, loses twenty one twenty. Miss okay, extra that... point because we miss Racinas. Oh, don't do that. I've uh, don't talk to me about miss field goals right now, please. Oh, so I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, okay. Miami, I'll yeah, I think that's a win. Alright, Rutgers, that better be a win. It should be a win, but yeah. I, I I'm on upset alert right now. You shut the fuck up. <laughs> I'm on upset alert eight right. months out. At, at Iowa State. 
I think you got to pencil the loss. I think I do as well. Um, but well, but if I was defensive line can, you know, do what they can, then they'll I have a chance. I don't know. What, I don't know what they'll chance. be next year. That's my only question mark: is can they make life hell for uh, Purdy? We'll see. Because I know that some of them can, but. And Epinesa, that's going to be somewhere he has to improve. Is yeah. on the defending those run plays. But it will be an Iowa State team without Butler, without Montgomery. Also, a so, good point. You know, it's that's a fifty-fifty one. Um, I'll give that a loss because it's a road game. If it's, I'm putting it fifty-fifty right now. Yeah, I'd say fifty-fifty at best. All right, uh, Middle Tennessee. That better be a win. Better be a win. All right, at at Michigan. You know, that's Jabril slow. Peppers. He'll be back. <laughs> With a vengeance. With Chase Winovich. He'll be no. playing 45 yards off the line of scrimmage. I mean, that's... I think I'm going with the loss at, Mich- at Michigan. I think I have to go for a loss, too. Jim Harbaugh's number one in Kinnick, but alas. Alas, we uh, cannot take Kinnick with us. At home, Penn State. I probably, I don't know. See, like th- this I'm going to is... go with a win. It's a win. Yeah, to me it's a 50-50. That's a, that's a victory for me. I'll pencil it as a win. No no right. Trace McSorley, thank God. All right, Purdue Boilermakers at Kinnick. Yeah, like I, I, just, I just saw that game live, and it just stuck in my craw. The uh, one the, this year or the last year? Two years ago. Yeah, yeah, two seasons ago. And it's just like, is Iowa just going to give up five go routes to be on the second half every single season against these guys. They're going to have some dudes at wide receiver next year, They'll have too. David Bell, Rondale Moore. I mean, it, it, it's going to be about the guy throwing it, not going to be Blau. So, um, yeah. Well, who, who are they going to have next year? You're, you are the Boiler Hawk. I, I think it's going to be Sindelar, and yeah. he's the one who's not quite as good on those throws. Although he did burn Iowa on those throws two years ago. So I will... Was that him? Yeah, I'll pencil that one a win. I... But I, but I don't feel good about it. No, I don't. I I almost want to say that one's a loss for me. Okay, all right. Um, at Northwestern, they have um, a freaking five star quarterback. I forgot about. I was gonna say they won't have uh, they won't have Thorson. I think that's a win, and then you just have to go and you have to mention that they have the five star number two in the country last year or whatever from Clemson. Yeah. Oof. Uh, um, and Fitzgerald just, I was gonna have to win that game by Fitzgerald's twenty points. Gonna, Fitzgerald's gonna win that game like fourteen to thirteen, isn't he? Yeah, exactly. That's exactly <laughs> how it's going to play out. All right, uh, yeah, I think that's a loss. I, I, I mean, obviously, you know, this is all tentative. This is like a whole year out. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. I mean, this but, is this is great content. We are yeah. content creators, Max. <laughs> we are content creators. Um, yeah, I think that's a loss right now. Um, all right, so then a bye week again. The double bye is next year. Um, I know. At, at Wisconsin? I, we don't win at Wisconsin. We don't beat Wisconsin. What we did in 2015, well, I, I wasn't on the team then, but, uh, I'll, <laughs> yeah, I'll you, pencil. Yeah, you, uh, transferred at that point. Yeah, I know, right? I, I'm, I, I have to pencil it a loss. I just, yeah. like, I... You know, if if their quarterback situation is the same, then maybe. But Paul Chris kind of went down a peg this year. Uh, yeah, I I don't know that they had a very good season. I mean, they lost the axe. They won their bowl game huge, but 
Um, yeah, I don't think they had a very good season. It was almost as, it was more inconsistent than I was. I think actually, they were going like win loss, win loss, win loss. Yeah, that's not that's not a fun place to be, which is no. a great place for Badger fans to be. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but right now, just on the road, November, I'll give it a loss. Um, hosting Minnesota. Ah. Minnesota, they got better. Minnesota back? Mm. No, I, I I just can't. I they just have they have to beat Iowa under Flack before I can yeah get, give them the win, which is the I, same for Illinois with under Levy. You I just, don't think Minnesota's offense is going to be shit next year, but I mean they did put okay. thirty five points up against Iowa this year. People forget that. People do forget that <laughs> with uh with a walk on. Yeah, exactly. Mm, nah, give me Iowa. Oh, excuse me, 31 points, just in case anyone's fact-checking <laughs> out there. Somebody's going to be in the comments. Excuse me, sir. <laughs> Minnesota only scored 31 points against Iowa, I know. So right. so we, we have win-win, and then Nebraska in Lincoln. What you got? <sighs> People are going to be mad at me. I'm with you. I'm with you. I'll. This is, you know, it's year two. Frost's team should be improved. Um, I don't know about that defense. That defense was real, real bad this year. But they did enough to beat Iowa, though. That's the scary thing. Mm. Eh, Kirk Ferentz. Well, that's fair. Kirk Ferentz lost that game for Iowa. Oh, excuse me. Kirk Ferentz almost lost that game. I was going to say, you're saying that they lost, and I'm not really sure why. All right, yeah. That's a that's a loss. I just that's think, another coin flip for me, I think. just They're going to be motivated next year to beat Iowa. They were this year, too, but... The flip side, and here's the thing. This is the thing that should have Iowa. All right, Iowa. spin zone this for me. Yeah, spin zone. So, the spin zone. The spin is that Iowa should have beat the brakes off of them, but they didn't, so Ferentz will be able to go in there and say, hey, it's going to be tight. You have to bring your A game. Versus, so, so the motivation will be a little more even versus if Iowa had gone in there and gone in there. If Iowa had been able to win... Let's just call it 38 or 41 to 24. I think it's a much different motivational trajectory for the game next year. Um, But I still think it's going to be tough for Iowa to win. Yeah, I'm chalking that one up as a loss right now. Just off the top of my head. Gut reaction. But I am the pessimist here. Like, I am the eternal pessimist. Um... You could have convinced me that I would probably lose any of these games except for the uh, Rutgers one. They won't lose against Rutgers. Yeah, or Middle Tennessee. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. But, I mean, we were some. We were what? I think 7-5, and five, I think. I said 6-6. Six six. I just I just counted it up. Oh, while you just you counted? Talking. So, I think I, I had Iowa State loss, Michigan loss. 
You had Penn State. Penn State lost. Wins. I had Purdue as a loss, which is, I think, what flipped us. Oh, uh, yeah, you're right. You're right. Well, yep. what did you say for Nebraska? What are you saying? No, I'm saying loss there. So we All agree right. on most of the stuff. Yeah. So you said 7-5, and five, gut reaction, 6-6 six and six for me. And, yeah, I mean, the, the thing that kind of scares me, ultimately, is that Iowa's offense, 31 points. Yay. That's great. That's fun. You know, it's nice to have a number over 30. I'm not going to deny that. But they scored 63 points against Illinois. Does anyone bat an eye if Iowa wins the Illinois game 28-0? to No. That, I mean, it's, it's taking points off the board. But that single-handedly changes Iowa's points per game by three points. Are we high on this offense if Iowa's averaging 28 points per game with really no bona fide running game coming back, losing the top three receivers. Is that, to is me that the, is that the Iowa offense scoring twenty eight points a game or is that just Iowa scoring twenty eight? Iowa points scoring twenty eight points a game because to your to your point, that Maryland game, that was crazy. The offense scored I guess it scored sixteen points. Yeah. But that wasn't it it was a tremendously coached game because that was the path for Iowa to win. They didn't. Mm-hmm. They didn't score a single offensive touchdown against Penn State. Nope. So their points like, per game is a lot under. Their offenses is a lot under thirty-one. And my only hesitation here with most of these games is Iowa's defense is not going to be as good as it was this year. That's I mean right now. That's what I think. Obviously, I could be very wrong. Um, you know, but I think that losing half your defensive line and your star uh, defensive back, you know, that's really going to hurt. Yeah, so we have them both 6-6, six and 7-5. Six, seven seven and, five. And, and you know what? You could convince me otherwise on, I said Nebraska's a loss. You, I, I could be easily convinced that's a win. I could be easily convinced in, Northwest, in, the, in a win over Northwestern. Northwestern, they're going to have a quarterback, but they don't have a running back really. They don't have wide receivers or a tight end next year. You know, maybe the quarterback makes a, makes a wide receiver out of thin air, but you know, you could convince me that Northwestern's a win. You could, I don't know if you could convince me about Purdue, about Purdue right now after watching Iowa against Purdue the last couple of years. I mean, I you could convince me that this can be a ten and two type season. You no, can convince me. You can't me. convince me that. I I just think it it comes down to Iowa. It comes down to Nate Stanley making winning plays consistently, yeah. and it comes down to Brian Ferentz and Kirk Ferentz not overthinking it at times. Like I, I just th- but I I think the the range for this season upcoming is as wide as it's been in a while. Yeah, you yeah. I mean I think six and six is the floor, and I'm going with the what I think is the floor right now. That's fair. That's I fair. think I think that nine and three is the ceiling. You could convince me of anything in between. I okay, think, so right so now. we're basically one game up from each other. I'm mm-hmm. seven and five to ten and two. You're six and six to nine and three. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, that's not so bad. Anyways, we were supposed to talk about football for like maybe fifteen minutes, and we spent forty six minutes on football. It's it's easiest to talk ahead and project yeah. because we we have no clue. Not yeah, many people exactly. do, right? I mean, 
you know, if you told me Nate Stanley was able to replicate his touchdown numbers again, I would have thought, whoa. Awesome. Right. And it was pretty awesome. At times, it was just like, ooh. At other times, such is life. Yeah. All right, so um, Iowa has a basketball team. Two basketball teams, Max. Two. They, they have two of them. That's true. And if you want to count these manager games, uh, they have three. <laughs> <laughs> but, um... Yeah, so Iowa has some basketball teams. Um, we'll start with the men's. We don't. I don't have a lot to say about the women's team. They're good. I'll say it, but um, I don't have a whole lot. I haven't watched them enough. I'm being honest, and I hate that I haven't. But the men's team—they finally won a conference game. They're what twelve and three. They um, are indeed. I didn't watch a whole lot of the game because I was busy having my heart torn out by my very own Chicago Bears and um, a blocked field goal I guess that's what we're calling it but I guess it is Max I guess that's what we're calling it you know I'm just gonna go off on a really quick tangent here do it every single time so I was watching we were watching The Bachelor and that's on channel that's on ABC 7 and um, each time each commercial break there was a commercial for the news and each time they said why and they, they previewed this you know their the segment they're about them going to talk about the berries and they said we're gonna, or and they're like, next up, sports, and why Cody Parkey didn't miss that field goal. When oh, I watched, when I watched the news earlier with my grandmother, who always watches the news at six or four o'clock. I respect. Yeah, of course, and the entire reason that they're pressing it is because he didn't miss it; it was blocked. Yeah. And therefore, he missed it. But so, like, I'm not mad about him. Like, you know, he did what he could. Like, I'm not one of those people that's super angry, you're going to wish him death threats. But it was one of those things where, like, just to hear it every commercial break. And why the Bears didn't miss this field goal. They, they lost. It didn't go in. So it, 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 didn't, it didn't go in. I don't care. I don't give a shit anymore, all right? Just leave me alone. Don't bother me with this. Anyways, um, <laughs> Iowa basketball. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll let you end it on that. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> um, Iowa basketball, they want a they game. Um, and it was an impressive victory. They gave up a lot of points, but I think that has a lot to, more to do with the um, amount of possessions in that game than anything. It, yeah, Max. It was a very back and forth game, from what I gathered and from what I've um, from what I watched as well. Yeah, that's a good point, Max. And really, um, it's just going to be interesting to figure out what is kind of the winning equilibrium for this defense, um, because you're right, they. They uh, gave up a lot of points, but it was a back-and-forth game, and the the numbers come out to uh, 1.11 points per possession, which doesn't really mean a lot but uh, in that way, but um, it does mean that it was a pretty good game for Iowa's defense. They've had all but uh, a handful of games, or excuse me, only two games have been worse than that significantly worse so uh, uh so, but so it wasn't necessarily iowa's best game they've been pretty good about keeping teams under one point per possession but part of that is playing to um the competition level but this was one of nebraska's worst offensive games that's what i was meaning to say um because their uh you know their offense has been consistently above that mark and really, to me, it's 
it's kind of twofold for this Iowa's defense. It's really just going to be coming down to, for lack of a better term, it's going to be a make or miss, you know, season for this Iowa defense. Like if if teams are making shots, then Iowa's probably going to have a hard time to win, which means it's going to typically be it's typically going to be hard harder for them to win on the road. It's what analysis. Yeah, I know it's not rocket science. Just because they they don't force turnovers, they they don't they're fine. You know, keeping opponents off their off the offensive boards, they're fine not fouling. But it really just is going to come down to whether shots are going in or not for the opponent. And you know, they didn't for Nebraska. They didn't for Iowa State. But those were also the shots that Iowa was willing to give up. Um, you know, James Palmer was over five from three. He was yeah. incredibly inefficient in his, you know, thirty possessions that he had. Everybody um, for Nebraska was four of twenty-three for three overall. They yeah. shot under fifty percent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you know, I mean, from what I've watched, Iowa played okay defense, but they didn't play four for twenty-three defense. Yeah, exactly. So it's just it's just gonna be can Iowa get a lead? It's gonna be like Iowa Bass or Iowa football. If they can get a lead, it'll be easier for them to win than if they come from behind. Also, great analysis, right? I mean <laughs> wow, it's easier to play from ahead than from behind. But it you know, it it's just gonna be it's gonna be a grinded out season. Um and I want to see Iowa not go down by 17 points on the road to Northwestern. Depending oh, on when you God. hear this, I'll either sound is. like an idiot or uh, a genius. Wow. Um, but I just, you know, I, I, I can see why fans are still hesitant about them. The effort is still better than it was all last season. Um, the, the numbers they've put up are better than last season. I don't know if people want to hear that defensively, but this team does not need to be freaking Virginia. And if they were I'm Virginia, glad they're not. you would hate yourself. Yeah. <laughs> you would just hate, you would hate the product because it would be a bad version of Virginia. It wouldn't be a bad version of Wisconsin. It would not be fun to watch. It wouldn't be Lick Lighter-esque, but also these the skills that these guys have are not on defense. They just aren't. So if they can piece together average defensive games, they're going to win more often than not. Yeah. And, you know, I think the big thing about it, too, is, you know, uh, oh, you know, on the other end of the floor, I mean, Iowa got to the free throw line a lot, but that's, I mean, they got, you know, Nebraska players, like key Nebraska players to get into foul trouble early. Uh, I don't remember exactly when all these guys got into foul trouble, but I know Watson, uh, Roby, and Copeland all finished with four fouls. I think Copeland got there pretty late. But Palmer had three for a bit. He ended with three. And I think Palmer is, or no, uh, Copeland's really the only one that, and Roby, that had good games. Uh, you know, like the, the, those three I just named, Palmer, Roby, Copeland, they were the entire Nebraska team. For yeah, all practical purposes. Yeah, it really was wild, that Nebraska game, because Watson's injury, like, Iowa was pretty much working them on offense 
for the entirety of the game until the Watson injury, which spurred a change to the one three one defense, which really shut down Iowa. And it's like if it, it was to me one of the most poorly coached games I've seen from a team that kind of should be a little more desperate in that game. Like, I, I felt like there should have been maybe a little more desperation from Nebraska. Um, but certainly, Iowa had a desperation that was really unmatched because, hey, 0-3, staring down 0-4. You know, Iowa's got tournament-level, tournament talent, on this roster, they should be in that thirty-five to th- twenty-five to thirty-five range of oh, are they a bubble team? This is a win they need if they want to get into the tournament, and I think they can probably do something like eight and twelve and still maybe end up in the tournament um, because that would have them twenty and twelve, right? Um, uh, or excuse me, nineteen, 19 and, and thirteen. Nineteen and no, nineteen and twelve. Nineteen and twelve. Okay, um, uh, I think they're a bubble if, team in that case. Yeah, and it just kind of depends on if they can, you know piece together a couple wins in the tournament they don't have oh Iowa hasn't won a tournament game in five years hanging over their neck anymore so I think um you know I I think things are there for Iowa to do well and I hope that they are because I, I like this team I like the players on this team the roster construction is better it's not great but it's better um so we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, and hopefully, uh, I mean, Iowa plays Northwestern midweek. They play Ohio State this next weekend. And hopefully, I mean, Jordan Bohannon and Tyler Cook had monster games. And, you know, if they can kind of carry the forward. And so did Isaiah Moss, you know. Credit to Isaiah Moss. He didn't have a very good shooting day. He was 3 for 10. He finished with 12 points, but, you know, 10 boards, led the team in boards, double-double. Jordan Bohannon, 22 second-half points. Tyler Cook, 4 of 6 from the field, 8 of 9 from the free-throw line. You know? Like, these are all, you know, like, real impressive stat. I mean, not 3 for 10 for Moss, but, like, these are impressive stat lines. You know, these are games, like, I was playing desperately. Moss was playing really aggressively, you know, like, tearing rebounds out of people's hands. And, you know, like, you know, I think he was a little bit more assertive than I think I've ever really seen him. Uh, you know, just like on the defensive end, you know, trying to, you know, chase down those 50-50 balls, you know, wherever. Yeah, with Moss. I was just going to say, you know, like it was a good, you know, performance, I think, from just about everybody on the team. Yeah, and that that is really where Iowa needs to head as a team is like they're not – their rotation isn't so deep that you can, oh, you can get – three different really good games from three different players every single night. They really do need, like, they need Tyler Cook to be Tyler Cook every single night. They need to get production out of that second forward center spot, whether it's Luca Garza or Ryan Creener, um, depending on, you know, how, how they're going to continue that going forward. Um, they're going to need shots to drop from the outside, and they're just going to get need a baseline level of effort um, that we saw against Nebraska to win these games. And I think Isaiah Moss is a perfect bellwether for that. He's someone who you see him miss shots. He kind of checks out doing the little things and he never did uh, on Sunday. And I thought that was awesome to see. 
Yeah, I mean, he didn't he didn't shoot well, and usually when that happens, as you just said, he kind of, it doesn't, he maybe he doesn't do, try to, but, like, you know, it looks like he's checked out. He doesn't shoot the ball, you know, like he doesn't put it in that same effort on defense that appears, you know, from the television or maybe in the arena standpoint. But, you know, he did all those little things on uh, Sunday against Nebraska. Yeah, and, and I don't mean it to, to besmirch no, the guy. Yeah. Like, I, I mean it that, like, you know, he, he can be a good player when he's not scoring. And I think that's that was nice to see because I, like, we you don't need him to score thirty points a game. Like Iowa has enough scoring from enough places that they need they need him to hit shots when he's open, to do little things on defense and in rebounding and you know, I, I just think that they can be really good and quietly he's the best free throw shooter on this team right now. Is he? Yeah, eighty nine percent. He's he's not shot the most, um uh, let me see. It's four guys have shot more than him: McCaffrey, uh, Cook, Garzan, Bohannon. Um, but you know, if you can have a ninety percent free throw shooter in there, about a forty percent three point shooter still, um, you know, he's gonna he can still be. He's starting for a reason, and yeah. he he showed what he can do when the the ball's not dropping. Yeah, he's uh. He's definitely, you know, he does have a role in this team. You know, people, I think some people don't really care for him, but, you know, he's he's not bad. If he's shooting 40% from three and, you know, 90% from the free throw line, that's really all you need from him, like, as, like, you know, your shooting guard. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think that I'm in a pretty good place with Iowa basketball, like an okay place. I'm not super convinced yet, obviously. They're one and three in conference play. But um, I think that if they can take this game against Northwestern, which they should, Northwestern is not a good team this year. They very well might go four and sixteen in conference play. Oof. Five and fifteen. They're not good. Have you watched them at all? I haven't. I I yeah. know that they've had. Well, yeah, they squeaked that one out against Illinois, didn't they? But yeah, they got hand blasted even worse than Iowa did against Michigan State. They almost beat Michigan. Two tight, yeah, that. two tight ones against Michigan and Indiana. But I don't know. It, it is it's just such a night to night league that I can see something weird happening in Iowa, not packing the defense or intensity like uh, they have for this freaking streak of <laughs> road games. Please not tonight. Or whenever this game is played. Please uh, don't let this happen. Alright, let's do something stupid. Let's predict the Northwestern game. People will surely listen to this after the game and hear us do this and be like, what is their problem? Um, I think it's going to be a win. Yeah, if we're just predicting a win or loss... Uh, I'll predict a loss. I don't like Ooh. it. Ooh! Why? Yeah. I just... Ooh. I, Ooh. I, I, I see Northwestern trying to slow down the game, playing like Bryant, hitting enough shots to to do the thing. I don't know. Okay. I, I don't like it. I think it'll be a win. I just don't think Northwestern is good, but I don't know anything, so you could be I right. would gladly be wrong, Max. Gladly. <laughs> gladly. All right. Um, and then Ohio State this next weekend is in Carver, correct? Yeah, yep. How do you feel about that one, just very quickly? I'm sure we won't do a podcast before then. 
I, I also feel a, a little pessimistic about that. Uh, I feel more pessimistic about that one than I do Northwestern. I, I just like I, I just think the world of Chris Holtman. I, I think he's a, a great basketball coach and uh, not that I really need needed Swain um, after last season, but I, I you know that that season really kind of came out of nowhere. His, his ability to recruits. You know, around these parts, people know it. So, um, it'll be interesting because they have size down low that can match Iowa. I think it's it's going to be back and forth like the Northwestern game. I think, um, and it'll probably come down to whether Caleb Weston gets in foul trouble or Tyler Cook or Luca Garza get in foul trouble. Um, so I will I will predict a very close Iowa win. I think I'll say that one's actually going to be a loss. So I think that I, okay. I, so we're both saying one and one. We've picked the opposite games though. I could, yeah, I think I'm sticking with one and one. I don't know if I'm close on that one. Like I don't know if I could be flip flopped on it. Yeah, I'm not sure. I, I really want to try and sell you on on Iowa <laughs> winning the Ohio State game. I just don't think that they lose two games in a row with one of them being at home. That's fair. That's nice. kind of my thought. Like, I think, I think I was always going to play with urgency at home this season. Yeah. Cause like, cause I think losing that early game to Wisconsin, like, although like, I mean, to me, that was like the ultimate, Hey, they made shots. Like, I mean, they're, they're defending tries pretty well, but I, I think it's just going to be, um, it's going to come down to foul trouble, and I think it's going to be Wesson in foul trouble and not Tyler Cook. So. All right, I'm still not sold, but I'll uh, believe you. You, uh, you are the basketball person. I am not as much. I do what I can, Max. I do what I can. Uh, yeah, uh, is there anything else that we need to touch on that? I think we should literally say Megan Gustafson's name just once. She's the best player in the conference. It's true. She's the best basketball player to ever play for Iowa. <laughs> I don't disagree there, actually. She holds, like, what? She holds the uh, scoring record, men's and women's. I don't know about rebounds. I know she holds women's for sure. I would assume she holds men's, and if she doesn't, then she'll get she it. She will. I don't, I mean, she, I don't know, so honestly. Maybe she won't. <laughs> I have no idea. Somebody's going to call us idiots for this. Yeah, she'll, she'll probably figure it out. Like, she needs 700 rebounds, she'll get them. Yep, Trust yep. Uh, she can do no wrong. She's been what? Pl- she hasn't been player of the week this season twice? What, has it been twice? I, th- I think it might have just been once. She's just so good. Yeah. yeah I, got to, well, I got to go to a lot of women's basketball games. I went to a lot of them when I was in Iowa. Oh, yeah. And because uh, I was working for BTN Student U for a bit, and then I did some stuff with the athletic department. But um, she's really good. Like, you know, like, you can't say it enough. She's a monster. She, like, she can't be stopped when she's, you know, feeling herself. And there's a lot of players on that team, too. Tanaya Davis is super swaggy. Yep. Uh uh, names on the tip of my tongue. Uh, Doyle, Kathleen Doyle, really oh, yeah. good point guard. Yep, yep. Man, they're they're good. They're so good, and I wish I could watch them more, and I wish I did. 
I'd like to see them make a bit of a run in the postseason. That'd be fun. Yeah, I mean, it's so hard to do in women's basketball. Just because, the like, more so than in men's. You know, men's, you know, you have Duke, you have Kentucky. Those teams are beatable, though. Like, on, like, a night-to-night basis. I don't think that UConn and, you know, like, Mississippi State and whoever the hell else, you know, Stanford, Notre Dame, I don't think they're beatable. Yeah. Unless they're playing each other. Like, you can't. Like, that's the Final Four. I just named it right there. Probably. <laughs> what do you say? Uh, UConn, Notre, <laughs> Notre Dame, Dame, Mississippi Baylor. State. No, I didn't say Baylor, but Mississippi State, uh, Stanford? I don't know. No, Baylor, Baylor is the one. Baylor beat UConn. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah my Baylor's future, the fourth. My future grandparents-in-law, big Baylor fans. <laughs> Yuck. I don't think they listen, yeah. Yeah, you're like yes, strong agree. <laughs> yeah, I will. Uh, I, 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 basketball wise, women's basketball wise, I'll, I'll uh, buy that stock. The rest of the department, no, no, thank you. Yeah, but you know, like, I'd love to see him make a run in the postseason. Or I think they can make a run in Big Ten at least. Um, but it's so hard to do in women's basketball more so than I think than probably any other sport except for like college football where you have Alabama and Clemson. Yeah, I mean, we're we're already at a a, a good good length, but that was an interesting question I saw in Doctorman's Athletics. Like, would you rather Iowa be in an 18 playoff or like have an 18 playoff for Iowa's chances? And his point was like, you think Iowa can win four games in a row? No, they can't. Not against those teams, no. No. Nope. As much as I'd love to say yes, I don't know about that. Only in EA. (laughs) Only if I'm controlling them and I'm on rookie mode. (laughs) Rookie (laughs) mode. Oh, man. All right. Well, Max, uh, we made it through uh, 69 minutes of podcasting without <laughs> openly talking about The Bachelor, so I think that was a, a success, don't you? Yeah, I think it was uh, very nice, and uh, yeah, we made it this long with us about The Bachelor. Shout out Ben. Um, ben uh, would have loved to have talked The Bachelor with us. Oh, I know, <laughs> I know. Uh, and apparently Drake wore an Alabama hoodie tonight. I just noticed that. It's the Drake curse. Yeah, he oh wore it a couple God. days ago. Oh, okay. Okay. I mean, I don't know. We won't get into that pop, pop culture. I don't think anybody wants to hear my takes on Drake. But anyway, so, um, yeah, um, that's all we have for you this week. That's all we have 70 minutes in. Her. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so um, follow... Uh, Follow Harrison on Twitter, HD underscore star with two R's. Yes, sir. Follow me, uh, Gospel of Max. Um, send all the uh, complaints to at Renboss23. Yeah, even though he's not here. <laughs> he Yeah, just let him know that we did a terrible podcast if you made it this far. Just tell him it was the worst thing you've ever heard. Um, <laughs> at Renboss23. Um, just tell him, like, just send him complaints. Just complain about something. Make something up. Just say you can't believe that we were talking about uh, donut holes and, um, I don't even know where I was going to go with this. I mean, he really just, it, all you have to do is say they talk too much Bachelor. Yeah, and just do that. Just, tell him how much and, we talked about The Bachelor. And then we, we'll know you listen to the end and... 
you're he'll be upset. To, he'll be really him, mad. And, and he'll be really mad at us. That would be yeah. Uh, tremendous. Yeah, because he won't listen to this because he's not a part of it. He only listens to uh, it when he's on it because he likes to hear himself talk. <laughs> no, he, it's for self. It's for self improvement. It's for self improvement. Um, yeah, but uh, send all compliments to me at Gospel of Max. Um, yeah, that's all I've got. All right, go Hawks. Go Hawks. <laughs>